Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. Hey Andy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are we doing? I'm very well. I've had a good week. I know. So far. It's been good to catch up. Mm-hmm. In person. I saw Andy in actual real life. It was yep. an exceptional hour. Well, it wasn't long, but it was... Short and sweet. Oh, it's basically me as a friendship is short and sweet. Don't like to overstay my welcome. <laughs> I only have so much chat, which is usually used up within an hour, and then I just leave again. It's the number of number of podcasts that you do. It's quite tiring doing that much talking, isn't it? Yeah. I also am quite against, and I think I used to be more against this because I think I do chat a load of crap now, but talking for the sake of talking. Mm-hmm. Do you know who yeah. is so good at not doing that and who I absolutely love for it is Hannah. Hannah Ritchie. Like, I just, just feel like was... she only ever says something when there's something to be said and it's said so precisely and it's just like, mic drop. Yeah. It's a skill. It's good to have, it's good to have comfortable silences though. Like, it's nice just to be able to spend time with someone like when we were training there was times where we were you don't talk to each other you just kind of get yeah. on with stuff yeah, so awkward so wasn't I, it uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone on the podcast you want to try for a comfortable silence uh, no i didn't like it i didn't like it no it's not for me um okay great are you are we ready for questions how have check-ins been Check-ins have been very good, very good. Only a few questions this week, though. So I think everybody's kind of getting everything done and um, seems to be everybody's been hitting what they need to do. There's been a few who have needed a bit of tough love, which they've got, and I think they've responded well with. Um, and the ones that have done that messaged me back saying that's what I needed. So, yeah, no, it's been good. I think it's... Um, it's obviously final two weeks and I think everybody just wants to do their best for the last two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we've got some questions from Nicola as well, but I'll go over those with her on a separate podcast. But I have a couple, I've got a couple that um, we can discuss as well. So this is a general question. How important is it to include ab specific exercises to our training? I know that a lot of other exercises involve and work my core, but would it be beneficial to ensure that I'm doing more ab-specific work? Thoughts? Um, depending on um, depending on how much, if, if abs are something that you want to build and something that you want to be able to show off, yeah, they're like any other muscle. They need to have work and time put into them through training. Um the the sort of squat deadlift um, things like that will work your core, but not directly. Like say, for instance, crunch what crunches do. Um, so yeah, it's if you want to put abs into it, there's no reason why not to. But also as well, remember there are certain ab exercises that are better than others. Um, so yeah, it's just a case of what you're looking for. But mm. I tell you what, I've I've been doing my physio stuff recently. This is something that I, myself and Shona, who I work with, Shona, eh, not Shona Denovan, but Shona Lindsay, um, talking about um, pelvic floor. So I was diagnosed by my physio of having the pelvic floor of a mummy. Unfortunately, the mummy is a 3,000-year-old one that's sitting underneath a pyramid. Um, so I had to start working my pelvic floor. And um, it's, I'll tell you what, it's friggin' tough. Like, literally just lying, keeping your pelvic floor lifted keeping your obliques pulled down keeping your abs down is the hardest thing in the world and also quite mentally hard isn't it small movements heart or not heart but like burn like hell um and actually i was having a chat with with shona about it and she reckons that the generation that she, that we are kind of in at the moment will have massive pelvic floor problems, females, later on in life, because not enough people, um, when you're training with resistance, 
you have to work your pelvic floor as well because any resistance is working against your pelvic floor and pushing it away from where it should be. Um, so adding a little bit of, sort of um, pelvic floor work is going to be very, um, very apt for females. Um, so why do you think this generation as opposed to any other generation? Because this is the generation that has been lifting more weights than anybody else. So oh, okay. females yeah. love being in the gym and they love lifting heavy and training hard, which is great. But you can't, it's, and that'll be down to blokes as well. Blokes will probably find that as well, you know, for blokes, you know. It does, like I'm glad you, you mentioned that you're working on your pelvic floor because it is mostly, like most people are like, oh, women need to work on their pelvic floor. Oh, it's a, it's a girl's yeah. exercise and, and it's not important for men. You also yeah. have a pelvic floor, it's, men, and it also needs some work. So yeah, get doing it. Um, I think when it comes to training abs, it's often overemphasized. And I think this yeah. whole, like I do and I don't like the saying, oh, abs are made in the kitchen. And when people say that, what they mean is you need to have a low body fat to see your abs. True. Fact. Yeah. Agree with that. Okay. But if you only diet and you don't exercise, you're not going to have a shredded six pack. You're just going to look quite skinny. So you need yeah. both. So you need to do your resistance training and you also need to do, um, you need to be lean to see abs. Now having strong abs doesn't necessarily mean you can see them either. It yeah. literally having visible abs simply means that you have low body fat levels. That's yeah. literally all it means. Um, so yeah, you could add some specific ab workout in if you wanted but equally I would say so I've done various things like I think I've gone through periods where I do quite a lot of ab focused work and I've gone through periods where I do absolutely none and to be quite honest zero difference in how my abs look and that could be because yeah. I've managed to maintain the muscle that I've previously built there it could be I don't know just a bit of coincidence like that it's not obviously a scientific study here and it's n equals one but yeah no one there's only it seems to be a slightly different muscle because it doesn't hypertrophy to the same extent as other muscles right you never see anyone with massive abs like they seem to be quite does that make any sense yeah. no no it does it does it is the same as you said the abs are abs are made in the kitchens a bit of a I would say it's an anomaly. It's abs are built in the gym and uncovered in the kitchen. It's probably the best way to, to look at it. Exactly. Okay, next question. This is on optimal body composition. What are your thoughts on that? Optimal body composition in what respect? For, for well, an so individual? This is, yeah, so to give it a bit of context, like there really isn't any context to this is the context right. to this so basically someone's like what is optimal body composition and for me in my opinion optimal body composition is when you look feel and perform at your best you have a good yep. balance between factors in your life that you're enjoying you enjoy food you can have a social life you're not over restricting and at different periods of your life your optimal body composition and i'm going to quote unquote optimal if there is such a thing will look different so from a physiological perspective, I can't say, do you know what, Andy, given X, Y, and Z, your optimal body composition is 14% body fat for the rest of your life. Like that's, that's your yeah. optimal. No, yeah. like at different parts of your life, that will be completely different. Um, so, and, and, and the easiest way to probably look at it is, okay, at the moment, where do I look, feel, and perform at my best? And as I said, yeah. that will change and that will vary and that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I think as well, you've also got to look at factors within things like, you know, your optimal body composition. You might be getting ready for going on a summer holiday, so you're going to want to be leaner. So you might have to sacrifice a little bit of performance to get a little bit leaner. Um, you know, it's as you, exactly as you said there, it, it, depends on, it depends on the outside factors of what's happening in your life at the time. But as you say, like optimal body composition, you know, there isn't really, as provided that you're happy, provided that you can provided you're happy with how you look how you feel how your performance is 
that you're not a dick in your relationship if you've got a relationship and you know just things like that all these factors kind of come into play as we've kind of discussed on a on the last podcast about you know folk competing and stuff and sort of sacrificing relationships etc just to step on stage you know optimal body compositions what you make of it at the end of the day and how you feel you know i put a post up yesterday on my instagram that the reason i train nowadays you know i'm not training for performance anymore i train so that i look good in the nude pretty much that's kind of that's what i train for you know i i i'm no i've no i've no embarrassment in saying that i want to look good when i'm naked like i'm 38 years old um i want to look i want to i want to feel good you know simple as that like i'm there's no reason why you can't that can't be a a a goal in your a goal set that you can set yourself yeah absolutely I was speaking to someone this morning about goals and she was saying I'd asked her to set a couple of goals for the rest of the year and she Mm. was saying um oh I'd love to have toned arms but is that too fickle like am I allowed to say that it sounds really like superficial I'm like of course you're allowed to say that like you're allowed to say that I want to train to look a certain way or I want to train to look good and she has loads of other goals as well, which is fine. But I think yeah. we're like you don't have your goals don't have to fit around what other people think that you should do, no. and you don't have to justify your goals to anyone. I might ask you why you want to do that, just as a just more as intrigue, because sometimes I think the reason people want to achieve certain physique or achieve a certain goal might be. I wouldn't say for the wrong reasons, but maybe for reasons that. Aren't no, no, no. Right. You're right. No, no. I, no, I would say I would say you're probably on the on the you're nailing it on the head there. For the wrong reasons would be I want to have I want to be in a great shape because I've seen it on social media. That's not a reason to be in good shape. But you want to be in good shapes for yourself. It's not for anybody else. It's for you. I want to be in great shape because I'll be happier. Not necessarily. Yeah, true. I think- I, I, you know, I want to, I want to be in as good shape as I can be, you know, in the years following, in the years to follow where I am now, because I want to set a good example to kids, my kids when I have kids. It's as simple as that. Like, I don't want to, you know, this, you know, it's, I like, you know, the, the whole thing of embracing dad bod, you know, great, brilliant, but that's not something I'm going to embrace. Um, that's nothing, that's something I will never, ever want to, to be in a position of I want to be in as good shape as I can so I set an example and I'm a role model to my children when I get there you know and you know it's that's that's no reason why somebody else can't have dad bod and be happy about it you know that's that's it's a personal goal for me that I want to be in the best shape that I can be so you know goals are that whole goal setting thing I think people um I think people get hung up and oh what but what happens if you know somebody thinks that my goal is vanity who cares is that if it's vanity it's for you embrace it babe it's fine yeah exactly swing it out there swing it out there well if you want to look good naked there's a bloke you've got to swing it out there simple as that wow okay (laughs) um anyway (laughs) moving moving on. on moving on okay so next question i am aware that the last few days have been a bit crappy for me i haven't been on track i haven't been putting myself first I'm such a people pleaser and I find it difficult to say no to others. I think I need to work on this, but I don't know where to start. Any tips? The next time somebody says something that you don't want to do, tell them no. Simple as. Mm. It's honestly, it's, it's one of these things that people worry about saying no to stuff, but do you know what? It's, there's nothing, it's quite satisfying to turn and say, actually, no, I've got things I need to do. Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's it is a tough one. I can understand why it's a tough one because you know you're one of your friends or family are like, oh, I want you to do this. You know, well, does it align with what you're trying to do at the moment? You know, is it is it something that's going to benefit your life or is it something that's just a bit blue? And if it's a bit blue, I'd be like, nah, it's not for me, thanks. But yeah, I think you can look at this, and I spoke about this on the podcast. I was talking about applying economic principles to decisions in your life so you can look at this as an opportunity cost if you're saying no to something by the flip side of that is that you're saying yes to something else now even if that's saying yes to staying at home and reading a book or staying at home and lounging around and doing nothing it's still a yes to something else so 
and if you think of it like that, like every time I'm saying no to something, there's another opportunity at the other side of that. It's, yeah. yeah, it's possibly easier to think about things like that. Um, but I think with this, it's more that she's saying yes or like doing things to other people at the detriment of her own well-being. And I think reminding yourself as well that taking time on yourself, investing in yourself and making yourself yeah. feel good first makes you so much better to be around. Like if you're in a great mood, that's infectious. If you're yeah. tired, lethargic, maybe grumpy because you've spent the whole day doing things for other people and you haven't filled your own cup, then you've got way less to give as well. So as much as yeah. it might seem short term, like a selfish thing to say, no, I need to spend this time on myself. I'm going to prioritize taking myself to the gym, going shopping and like getting the food that I need to fuel my body properly. That if that then means that you can give more in other aspects to other people at a later point, brilliant. Like that's, that's where we yeah. want you to be. Um, so yeah. Take, for, for me, it also would be take the emotion out of it as well. Like, you know, someone asks you, you know, someone asks you to go for dinner, but take the emotion out of that. And the fact that, you know, I think it's one of those ones, oh, I feel like I'm letting somebody down by not going out for dinner. Well, no, you're manage, you're, you're going to, you, what are you, what else you, as you say, it's that balance of what else is going to be there because you're going to do something else. And if it's going to help you, like, um, you know, it's one of the things I get, I, I try to get um, Laura thinking about a bit more because she's very much, she'll bend backwards to help other people, but at times she just needs to sit back and, and look after herself because she'll get to a point where she gets run down and I keep telling her you're doing too much just calm down like fill your diary but fill it with stuff for you not for anybody else you know if someone asks you to go and do something just say no I'm going to have a bit of time out to myself um, and you know you, if you want to take it and feel that you're letting somebody down that's how you feel so get rid of that emotion you're not letting anybody down you know it's as simple as that you know you're, all you're doing is saying no what's yeah or reframe it as instead of like FOMO, fear of missing out, JOMO, yeah. the joy of missing out. Like, I think that's one yeah. thing I kind of liked about lockdown is that I had quite bad FOMO when my back was bad because like, I, there was a lot I couldn't do. Or if I did do it, I'd be there like, I'm just here in pain. And like, I wasn't mentally there because... I'm just constantly uncomfortable. Like I would probably be rather yeah. on my ho at, at home on, on my floor. Um, yeah. But when like lockdown hit, I was kind of like, well, actually no one's doing that much. So that was kind of enjoyable for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think reframing it as well as you're not always missing out on things and better to turn up, like better to say yes to fewer things and turn up a hundred percent than, than like yeah. spread yourself too thin and just be, at like 60% of yourself everywhere. Pick a couple of exactly. things, pick what's important to you, assess what your values are and make sure that your actions and your decisions and the opportunities that you are going for align with those values. Yeah, perfect. All right, have you got any questions? Um, okay, I'm getting tired at lower weights than normal. Is this because I'm in a calorie deficit? Could be. Could be, yeah. It could be, but then equally, I think that that's something that we jump to to assume too quickly often. And if you look yep. at other things like, yeah, no, I think it's my diet when actually you're not sleeping well, you're not recovering properly, maybe you're even overtraining. There could be various other things. And that actually could simply be that you were tired for a couple of days. Like, it, I mean, we know as well things like your hormonal cycle can affect your um, strength at different points of the month. So it could be, a tough couple of days for you there could literally be any reason for it and to quickly assume that um it's because you've not got enough energy and do remember that fat is stored energy so to quickly assume yeah. that it's, oh it's because i'm dieting that means i'm going to be weak that quickly spirals into this self-fulfilling prophecy of oh i'm going to be weak anyway and this is something i see quite a lot with and i'm not suggesting that people need to do faster training at all like there's really no benefits doing it but I think people often come into the gym if they've not eaten before and think I'm going to have no energy. And as a byproduct, they have no energy. Whereas yeah, actually yeah. there's ample stores of energy in your body. Like I used to train every morning fasted 
not for any reason other than convenience. I would have a bigger meal the night yeah. before. My muscles are still full of glycogen from the night before. Didn't have that much exciting times in bed. So like you've still got full energy stores for the next day. And like, that's not gone anywhere. When you sleep, you're not exactly expending a hell of a lot of energy. So yeah. you still have enough to fuel a, a very good workout the next day. You don't need that immediate store, uh, that immediate energy intake. I think you're right. I think it's, um, you know, there are so many aspects that people forget will physically or mentally drain you. You know, things like a long, you know, you've just pulled two, two 10 hour shifts at work or two 12 hour days at work. Yeah. Oh, and, and why is it so hard to train when I've not slept for 24 hours? Like, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you've also got to go home and deal with the kids and all manner of stuff. Like there's so many different things there that, um, is a reason is reasoning behind why you'd be tired, you know. So to 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 look at a calorie deficit as being the first reason, I would always say that that's probably a bit further down the list that you need to look at. The th- closer up things are, what are the stresses that have affected you in the last, you know, twelve hours, like twenty four hours? What is it? Have you had a stressful day at work? You know, have you found out that your your business your work's going to start making redundancies? Have you you know have you um, been run down you've been running you've been working silly hours and obviously having to run back and forward have you been doing too much it's so many different there's so many different aspects there that can that physically and mentally drain you before actually working worrying if it's the calorie deficit that's the problem yeah and i think there's other things as well like kind of red flags that we know as coaches like if this individual was yeah. very lean we might be like actually it could be a genuine lack of energy if you still yeah. have quite a lot of stored energy also known as fat to lose then maybe we know that there could be other factors that we can play with um but even things like nutrient timing if you're finding that you're struggling with your workouts it could be the time of day that you're doing it in comparison to eating it could just be the time of day full stop like some people seem to work out really well in the evening in the morning some people really well in the evening i struggle to do a good session in the evening like i feel like i'm kind of done with the day by then I can go into yeah. the gym and I can get something done. So it's ticked off. It's better than nothing. But will I have a better session in the morning? Yes. Like that, that's when I know that I train better. Um, yeah, so exactly. there could be like various little things that we can tweak and have a look at that I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't assume that it's definitely being in a calorie deficit that's making you tired. Yeah. Uh, right next question since i signed up i've had a bit of bad luck with back pain followed by foot pain plantar fasciitis Um, thankfully both seem to have eased but in future if i have setbacks like this and i'm not able to work out or get steps in should i adjust my calorie intake very good question and honestly it depends and that's because it depends on how big a deficit you're in to start with so let's say you were in quite a big deficit let's say you're in a 600 calorie deficit but then you can't work out as much you can't get as many steps in and let's say you're now only in a 400 calorie deficit or a 300 calorie deficit i might suggest you just continue with that especially if it's for a, a short period of time various reasons for this one adherence like it's hard to cut calories i find it personally harder when i'm less busy now you're going to have yep. that extra hour or couple of hours when you would normally exercise or go for a walk or something like that. So you've got those periods of time to play with and to fill with a different activity as well. Hopefully not overeating, but yeah. you don't necessarily need to lower your calories. Secondly, it could be, you know, if you're injured, you want nutrients so that your body can repair that injury. So you don't want to be in yeah. such a big deficit that your body's sort of fighting against its um, ability to repair as well so I wouldn't yeah. initially drop your calories if if it was going to be a very long period of time where your activity is going to be much lower we may have to reassess things but again like don't don't preempt that that might not happen you might say on the calories you're, you're on already and find that you're still losing weight week on week or every yeah. other week or however your weight was going down and that's absolutely fine there's no need to increase that But again, that's something you would talk about with Andy. And if you think that you can definitely lower your calories, you're not finding it too hard. Maybe your hunger has reduced because you've reduced your activity levels. Then maybe that is something we can think about. But 
it's definitely not something I would jump to straight away. I would monitor yeah. and adapt as usual and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's I think certainly when um things like that, everybody's first point of call is to cut calories. And actually for for me personally, I would rather do other things and cut calories straight out the bat, even if I'm not struggling with injury and stuff like that as well you know the first thing like things aren't working and eat cut calories well well no 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 let's let's have a look at what we're doing have you got space to get ah you know we're doing three training sessions a week let's get a fourth training session a week you've got time for it let's get that fourth session in that's another more energy expenditure um let's see if we can get a few more steps in per day let's hit your twelve thousand steps rather than your 10 that you've been doing for the past two weeks you know it's all these little things you know whereas i think everybody starts like slashing calories straight off the bat and it's like it's probably one of the it's probably one of the final things that i would have a look at doing before um mm. before starting to cut calories so yeah. especially from an adherence point of view and especially having been yeah. in that position of back pain and there's so much yeah. that goes with that and it's extremely hard to stay on track with your diet like i mean i'm sure that some of my weight gain was due to some of the medication i was on and by that yeah. i mean like water retention but mm. but part of it like i mean a lot of it was fat and like i know what i'm doing <laughs> i would hope so yeah. but that doesn't mean it's that easy to implement and yeah. i mean like there's worse things that can happen than putting on a little bit of weight when you're injured you like i know how to lose it you know how to lose it we can support you to do so and obviously yeah. you don't want to put on as much weight as i did <laughs> learn from my <laughs> mistakes but um <laughs> it's like like i'm saying like it's not the end of the world it might not be your priority again what we were talking about with things like optimal body composition and things like that like your values may have shifted. Like at that time, my value wasn't staying lean. It was like just trying to get through each day. And yeah. if that means eating a little bit more, yeah. Was I doing like any energy expenditure? No. <laughs> so yeah. you'd already have to be on quite low calories to even maintain your weight. And yeah, it might not be the right time to diet. But again, it might be. Yeah. And sometimes it's... You know, sometimes it is a good time to focus on diet because you've maybe got more time to prep food, or you've got—I don't know—million. Yeah, things. that's that's it. Uh, this is less of a question and more of a statement. So, um, finally, all caught up on the ESG podcast. Love everyone and so informative. Very funny too. I'd recommend every member invest their time to listen to them. It promotes long-term ind uh, independence when it comes to all things RE, physiology and psychology, for example, weight loss, strength, hormones, accountability, and just getting shit done with no excuses. The Facebook group is great for general member and member support affirmation if you need it, but the podcast is where it's at for the how, when, and why. Absolutely fantastic. Aww. So, I mean, nice we're now preaching to the converted because by definition, anyone who's actually watched this far or has listened this far, already listens to the podcast i hope so otherwise i'm uh, not quite right on that great and i'm really glad that it's useful for people yeah right so a question uh, can you tell us why you structure the training program like you do it's pretty high volume with minimal rest periods and lots of muscle groups are repeatedly targeted from session to session is this one of the best ways to ensure you build maintain as much muscle as possible during a fat loss phase it would be good to know more thoughts behind the process from a client point of view, but also as I'm a personal trainer myself, I'm always looking to learn from other coaches, especially awesome ones like you guys. Any info on your thought process behind building the program would be interesting to know if you don't mind sharing. Of course, I'm always more than happy to share. So for those of you not on the program or just more in general, we program a push-pull leg and then full body workout. So we want you to do at least three a week. So your priority is push-pull legs. Now, it's mentioned that some of the muscle groups are targeted multiple times. And that's because you can target them multiple times. You can stimulate them multiple times. And basically, if you think of it as, especially when you're dieting, you are in a catabolic state. You're in a breakdown state. So every time you use that muscle, it's like reminding your body, we use this tissue, we want this tissue, we want to at least maintain it. Whereas if you don't use that muscle, then um, it may break down some of that tissue. And that's sort of the reminder for 
optimizing body composition and keeping as much muscle mass as possible when you're dieting, which is a key contributor to weight maintenance is maintaining as much lean muscle mass as possible. Um, so that's partly why we structure it that way. The other reason is, and, and for the repeated um, exercises of the same muscle group. So you're not, the, I mean, the opposite of this would be something like a typical bro split where you're like, on Monday I train chest, don't train chest again until the next Monday. We know that you can recover quicker than that. So you're now missing out on opportunities to stimulate and adapt to that muscle stimulus like multiple times during that week. So if you can train and stimulate muscle to grow twice during a week in a muscle group, then that's going to give you better results than just stimulating it once. So yeah, we want to do that consistently. We want to do it as often as possible that you can recover from. So there's obviously the balance between um, like training and recovery. And when you go over that inverted U, then you start overtraining and, and you start getting negative adaptations but until that point like the the benefit of doing more frequent stimulation is there yeah i think it's something that even beyond like sort of commit to sex you know the sort of fat loss stuff even people put and trying to put on size like you know the whole bro split is like it's something that people take to heart very like it's something that obviously is in all these bodybuilding magazines this hit a body part once a week and as you say if you're actually wanting to build muscle and you're in a calorie surplus you need to hit your body parts more than once a week anyway because that's the stimulation to build muscle so it's exactly the same principles from mm -hmm. fat loss as it is to muscle building the only thing that changes is your calorie intake whether it's a deficit a maintenance or a surplus and i think people i think a lot of people don't really understand that it's that thing you go into a gym and you see loads of it's it's mainly guys i'm going to be honest with you it's not stereotypical in the slightest it's mainly guys um, and they all want to be massive and none of them are massive. They're all built like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Um, and the reason being is because their body, you're not stimulating the muscles enough to be able to force it to adapt and build. So you need to be hitting these body parts more than once a week. Um, you know, so it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's science. It's the, the science behind it is, is that you need to be more frequently hitting these muscle groups, whether it be, as I say, fat loss or building or maintenance you know you've got to hit them you've got to keep them training and keep them thinking yeah and not only that but we know that volume is a key or probably yeah. the key contributor to hypertrophy so building muscle and if you're stimulating muscle more than once a week then you're going to build the volume that you've placed on that muscle as well so that's an important yeah. aspect and i really like the point you made about how I think a lot of people expect your like fat loss program in the gym to be completely different than your muscle building program when actually yeah. they're not different at all. If I mean like basically the same, it's your yeah. diet that's going to change and maybe you'll be able to lift slightly heavier when you're in a surplus. We would probably hope so and that your strength would be going up, but that just simply means that you would pick heavier weights. It's not necessarily that you yeah. would need a whole different, uh, training program and that's because the same principles that build muscle also maintain muscle so yeah. you don't like and and your muscles aren't that clever no one's like oh you've got to what is it confuse the muscle or keep the muscle guessing no you have to push it out of like what like a the science term would be like homeostasis if you can push yeah. your muscles so that it's under stress you want to stress that muscle so that the next time that you put the muscle under that same stress, it can adapt to that. So it's like, okay, well, I know that Emma's going to try and do 10 push-ups again tomorrow. We'd better grow and adapt to this stress so that the next time we're put under that stress, we can actually complete the task that we're trying to do. That's yeah. one way to think about it. Yeah, totally. I think it's, um, it's the same thing as with the whole setup for females and males with training as well. You know, it's, there should be no... Among, there'll be some certain small differences on certain things um, and yeah like women can usually recover quicker than men so we can have slightly mm -hmm. higher volume and there's actually various reasons volume. for this um yep. partly due to our muscle type and then partly due to something else which a lot of women don't like to talk about which is that 
we tend not to lift as heavy as absolute heavy which means that we can recover quicker because we haven't actually put the same stress on our bodies as mm. relatively as we would if, if we were a man is that anti-feminism i don't know no it's just it's no not at all I truth think in it truth you know, hurts well that's but that's the thing though that's the whole idea of what we do on the podcast is we're trying to sort of educate you in what you're doing whether it be you know i'm quite um i'm actually generally quite anti-male when it comes to my kind of training because i just think blokes just use far too much ego and are fucking stupid when it comes to training and i really enjoy training females because they listen they want to get better they want to they want to improve and they want to learn whereas a bloke's like i know everything it's fine if i can do my i can do one thing so you know it's it's the you know the the benefits of the benefits of somebody having an open mind is much, much higher, a much higher chance of an open mind and learning if you're female, unfortunately. So mm. males think out there, open your mind, open your ears a little bit more and listen. Um, unless it's I in actually the house sometimes and find, and I think this is, this completely depends on oh. the man because this can work both ways. But, and like you say, ego sometimes gets in the way. And yeah. you either, you get kind of like one of two people, which is either, I'm not listening to a woman, what the hell would she know about building muscle? Or you yeah. get, I'm not actually, well, I don't even know if intimidated is the right word, but like, you don't affect my ego because you're a girl. So I mm. will happily listen to you. Whereas because I'm almost competitive with a male personal trainer, yep. no, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about me as the male client, then mm. I find it harder to work with them. So I think you get like both yeah. sides that, because, and I, yeah. I realized this because when I was quite like a fresh-faced personal trainer, I had quite a lot of male clients and I could never really figure out why they would want to listen to like, like a relatively small blonde, like what do I know about building muscle? I mean, I did know a lot about building muscle, but from looking at me and let's be honest, like that's, that's a lot of how you get business. You wouldn't, mm. you wouldn't be like, oh, she's really strong. So I'm going to go train with her. You would, I would have thought, oh, don't you want to train with a guy that you want to look like? But I think there's often too much like competitiveness there, and it's too harder to take advice from. Yeah, testosterone. Too much testosterone. Yeah, it's um, it is that thing. It's the you know you go into a gym, you go into any gym, and you generally have like we were, I think it was yesterday. Me and Shona were training, and like Shona, as she's at the moment, as an absolute machine. Like she's she she's looks chucking around incredible. 30. Oh. She was chucking around 36 kilo dumbbells for like sets of eight yesterday on incline bench, like frightening stuff. Um, and you've got guys that are like pretty much putting their weights back in the rack and leaving the area that she's in because she's intimidating everybody. But that's, that's, it just makes, it makes for fun viewing for me. I just start laughing. So yeah. it's quite funny. But uh, yeah, it's, it's the male ego. The male ego doesn't like being um, doesn't like being battered, unfortunately. Um, or certainly, a lot of male egos don't like being battered. Um, I'm sure. I'm like girls have egos as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I think um, I think you, you're right. You do. It's, but for me, with um, there are very few females that I see that have the ego of being. Sh- ego about like lifting too heavy like yeah it's, it's you know it's it's the, the ego that i generally see from females and again from an outside eye is um it's the how do i put this without making it really insulting i'm gonna make it really insulting it's the social it. media horse it's the it's the ones that are wearing like hot like virtually shorts that are jammed up their asses and like George shorts the gender and they're doing everything with like bands around their knees. It's all flutter kicks and fucking um like clams and stuff. And you're just like, come on, come on now. Like, but it's it's the but same, then the each to the their own. Like that sort of stuff yeah. like does not bother me in the slightest. Just it, it goes over it just goes over your head. For me, it's not. Do you know what? It doesn't piss me off. It just make, it, I just laugh. It's just like mm. it's one of these things that you know. It's the unfortunate thing. You know, social media has some fantastic avenues, but also has some fucking shite to deal with as well. But you know, that's every aspect of life, unfortunately. Yeah, got to take the good with the bad. Exactly. That's what it's all about. And um, smile that- all the way through. 
Is that the end of the question? I think it is, yeah. That's all, that's all the questions that we have. Okay, awesome. Do you have any other talking points? I've, I've enjoyed your um, hashtag real talk. Uh, yeah. Um, what, have, what, have I, what have I put up over the last few days, actually? Um, real talk. Just trying to... Yes, gym etiquette one's always an interesting one. Mm. Um, although, oh, I've got fair, a little... I've got a topic we could uh, quickly discuss before we finish that I was talking to the boys about on, um, in our group chat for fitness unfiltered. And it is basically this trend of personal trainers now where I used to see, and I used to like seeing this. And I mean, you still see it sometimes, but personal trainers basically flexing about how awesome their clients are. Like here's all my transformation photos. And as as much as you can't Mm -hmm. see the full picture of the transformation photo, at least it was about the client. And now yeah. what I'm seeing all the time is here's my bank balance and I hate it. Like not only is it to me so vulgar, but there also seems to be this like completely insane insinuation that if you're earning more, then you are a better personal trainer. And that could not be further from the truth coming from someone who knows these coaches, like not just the ones that are earning a lot, but the ones that are earning very little. And I know are phenomenal coaches, but maybe they're not very good at marketing. Or maybe they're not very yeah. good at... Do you know what? Sometimes it's that they have almost too much ethics or they don't know how to sell themselves because they're like, oh, I don't, I, you know, I'm just scared to put myself out there because I don't want to be pushing it on anyone and, and like yeah. worried about... Even things like worried about using the word diet because they're so infiltrated with anti-diet culture and they're like, oh, what if I'm you know, putting across a message which is harmful to some people? And I spoke about this on podcasts I'm going to put up before this, which was just a, a short clip. But my content, Andy's content, like all of our content, is only for people that want to change. If you are happy the way you are and you don't want to change, I am not pushing myself on you. Like, that's fine. Like, my content is not for you. Unfollow me. What, however you want to do it. Mute me from your story if it's not useful. If you want to better yourself in some way, in like any way, it could be physical, mental, whatever. It could be strength gains. It could be running a marathon. It could be improving your relationship with food. Whatever it is, it doesn't all have to be about weight loss. If you're looking to change and improve yourself, then you can. And that's a pretty cool thing. But I think as personal trainers, sometimes people get a little bit too worried about like this whole like anti-diet culture and aspects like that creeping in. And that stops them selling a product which helps so many people like i never want this to feel um like to become almost like closed off to this but we get messages all the time about how commit to six has changed someone's life or has completely revolutionized the way they think about diet and exercise how they don't feel trapped anymore how their relationship with food with their family with their work life with their job how they feel about themselves with their own body is improved by so much from this program. Like it's it's more than worth the investment. Like it's the best investment people will make. But yet some people, some trainers are scared to sell themselves as that because I don't know. Well, I think I, th- I think you're right. It's it's one of those ones where you you know I know a lot of people are are worried about sort of um, alienating people and potential clients and stuff like that, but. If you're alienating a potential client, they're not actually a potential client for you. So I wouldn't stress too much about that. If somebody resonates towards what you're trying to do, you know, provided you're not an asshole about it and you're, you know, slating people and slating different things, um, you know. But, you know, we we had this, um, you know, the, the whole thing, like I put one up, one of my, one of the things I put up on my social media, um, I think it was this morning was... Um, about using people's weaknesses and fragilities to sell stuff, you know, and this is the thing that it's one thing that it makes me, it makes me sick to my stomach seeing people do this. So there was a a trainer that I worked alongside um, a few years ago and he decided he was going to start um, selling, starting a, a, a group coaching session for people who've got depression. Right. And his basis behind this was because he had been depressed and he was going to fix people. 
I'm like, so my number one issue with this was number one, you have no fucking qualifications to even to, to speak to people with depression. Just because you have it doesn't mean that you're qualified and being able to help somebody overcome this. Number two, you're taking money off somebody's fragility that you also have and haven't fucking dealt with yourself. So you're still dealing with that and you're trying to say that you're going to fix people. Like that's, for me, that's immoral. It's unethical. And it just makes you a bit of a bellend as far as I'm concerned. And the whole thing like with, you know, going back to like the original point that you made there about like, um, it's the whole, this whole thing, you know, every year there seems to be some new title of coach that comes up. Oh, I'm a business coach. I'm a life coach. I'm a wellness coach, whatever it is. And it's, generally people who like for instance in the fitness industry I'm, an, I'm now a business coach there are some fantastic business coaches out there that we would learn a lot from you know we had this discussion when we when we saw each other like mark Cole's stuff's top notch like it's brilliant like his business acumen is phenomenal but there are a bunch of absolute weapons that have looked at all these people's stuff and tried to make their own and they're generally failed personal trainers. They're failed personal trainers who are now business coaches who are teaching people to be personal trainers and make a six-figure a year. You never made six figures in the 10 years that you worked as a personal trainer. So how are you making six figures in a year now? Like, you're talking about... You know what? I just find, reason- like, it's such a weird, almost, like, MLM-type scheme thing where you're like, 100%. you're making six figures now as a business coach because I'm paying you to coach my business but you've never like it's just this weird like loop and they're like oh if if you're making that much then that must mean i could make that much but it's a different business like uh, it's just a bit it's pyramid it's pyramid sales in business that's exactly yeah. what you've nailed it down so what herbalife and all these mlm shit like weight loss companies like arbonne and all these people do all somebody's done is they've taken that and they've translated it to a to becoming like a personal trainer or a fitness business coach and they are selling principles that generally don't work to people but what i find strange right and you see this all the time is right come to my like whatever day workshop and do my online course and i'll teach you how to build a business but what ends up happening is those people that they're teaching how to build a business usually end up becoming business coaches as well so it's basically i'll teach you how to scam people like i'm scamming you yeah hundred percent and i bet you five or that person at the top is still making money from the people that are working working beyond below them scamming other people now so it's just a big pyramid sales scheme that's all it is it's exactly the same do you remember um i i still can't figure out how this works right but there used to be this thing where you could send 50p you sent 50p to eight people it was like this chain thing and then eight people would, or it would be like 16 people would send 50p to you. So you would get like double the money back. But it was like, you had to continue in this like massive chain. Yeah, I don't know. I need to look that yeah. up because sometimes I think about it and I'm like, how did that ever work? And then I don't care enough to look it up. Yeah, but it's, you know, that I think that's the, you know, the sad, the sad thing is, is that there are some, as you say, there are some great, there's some great business acumen stuff out there from some really good coaches who are, and I would probably say there are a handful of them in the UK. You could probably cut, you could probably count them on one, maybe two hands of the people who I would go to for business advice for a fitness business. You're one of them. Um, but beyond that, all you're doing is you're getting people who, you know, it's even really random stuff. Like there's a guy, who decided to start doing um, videoing like his doing his videos from one of his clients houses who his client has like a million pound house so it made him look more lucrative and so what i find seem- what i find so funny is that like people will be so like oh here's my brand new watch that costs this much here's my new car here's my new house blah 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 yeah. look here's a here's my actual bank statement <gasps> disgusting right <laughs> I could yeah. not be, like, you saw my car the other day. It's like the car that I learned to drive in. This watch, but, like, I'm like proud of the fact that this watch is a fake iWatch that costs twenty nine. <laughs> yes. Like, why but, do you need to spend money? Basically, it's spending money to try and show off that you have money. 
But also, how many of these people actually have paid all this stuff off and how many of them have got huge lines of credit to get it? Mm. That's the kind of stuff you've got to look at. And also, how easy is it to Photoshop somebody's bank statement? It's quite easy to Photoshop your name onto somebody's million pound bank statement. You can get them all online. It's easy to do that. So you flashing money to, for people to think, that is, you know, it's again, it's, it's, it's working on people's fragilities, especially in the fitness industry, where it's a very populated industry where people are trying hard to make money. If someone turns in and says, well, I'm making a million pound a year as a personal trainer, and here's my Photoshop bank statement, folk are wanting to listen to that person because they don't know any better. You well, know? yeah, they want to make so, that money. I can see how that's um, enticing. But the other yeah. thing that people don't realize is how much money you will actually make when you make that much money. Like as soon yeah. as you start making a decent amount of money, over 50% of your profit goes in tax. Like yeah. it's, oh, massively. Not, it's not a fun it's, time. Like you, you actually would probably have a far higher quality of life on a slightly lower income working slightly less, but you've not yep. say, hit that threshold, for example. Yeah. And that's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a frustrating, it's a frustrating thing because there'll be, I actually remember speaking to uh, one of my clients who was, he was the managing partner of the, the biggest law firm in Scotland uh, before he retired. And I remember asking him, I was, do you guys have like these Muppets, like business coaches that come in and try to tell you how to run a business? Bear in mind, this guy's put like, the, the, the company's worth millions now. And he's been the head of that for years. He goes, do you get this? And he went, yeah, yeah. He goes, it's generally failed lawyers or people who have been disbarred from from being able to practice who are now trying to tell you how to run a business. I goes, well, what do you do? He goes, I tell them to fuck off. He goes, it's as simple as that. He goes, I'm not interested in listening to their shite. He goes, if they were any good, he goes, they'd be working for me. He goes, they'd be in my company. He goes, they're not, so they can go shove it. And I was like, fair deuce. Those <laughs> who cannot do, teach. <laughs> no, I don't think that. And those, who cannot, te- and those who cannot teach, teach PE. <laughs> That's what it is. is that not what it is? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. But that's harsh, and I don't stand by that. He teaches all. Awesome. No, I don't either. I don't. Um, yeah, exactly. But if you are, just to sort of conclude this little chat, if you are a new PT, or even anyone in the industry, and you're worried that you're not making that kind of money, or you're thinking, in fact, I had a discussion with a girl who's on EIQ the other day, and um, she was, she's kind of worried, like, I mean, it's a hard time for anyone as a self-employed person. It's a hard time for people full stop. Okay. But she's yeah. worried about her own business, her personal training business. And she's like, I feel like maybe I should invest in a business coach. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, how do I get more clients? And sometimes you're running before you can walk. Like make sure your current clients are happy. Make sure your service is yeah. actually good. Make sure you can get results before you then start to try and scale your business and same with things like i have quite a lot of personal trainers come to me like oh i want to start group coaching like you do can you show me how to do it no because you're not ready to do it and equally the reason that people move into group coaching is because you are full one-to-one okay i've i've reached capacity how do i scale this yeah like there's no point running a group coaching program with three people that's called one-to-one coaching like charge them more, charge them the service that you're providing. And that's your one-to-one coaching business. When you reach a point where you are oversubscribed to that one-to-one coaching business, then you can start group coaching. But yeah, people, I think, I think more flexing about how awesome your client results are and how awesome they feel and less yeah. flexing about your new Rolex. Thank you. And good night. Mic drop. Mic drop, except this is on a lever. And I just pulled it out. (laughs) It's going to come back. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. Well, I feel like I got that off my chest. Yeah. It was a good good rant. Woosah. Woosah. Okay. Farewell.